Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Cinematic Schematic, the official podcast of thecinematropolis.com, your home to thoughtful conversations on film, and this year's podcast media partner for the Dead Center 2023 Film Festival. I'm your host, Caleb Masters, and today I am so honored, so thrilled, we're going to be talking with one of this year's Dead Center icons, Erica Tremblay. We're going to kick things off by talking with the co-writer, director, and producer about what made Fancy Dance her choice for directorial debut, before talking a little bit more about her experiences making the movie. And then we're gonna close out the show by learning a little bit more about what, where you can, where and when you can watch Fancy Dance, either at Dead Center or beyond. Uh, and lastly, before we get to today's conversation, I just wanted to note that if you're listening to the show and you enjoy the conversation, please make sure to support the show by subscribing and leaving us a rating and a review on your preferred podcast app. So a quick synopsis about Fancy Dance. Following her sister's disappearance, a Native American hustler kidnaps her niece from the child's white grandparents and sets out for the state powwow in the hopes of keeping what's left of her family intact. Joining me today really needs no introduction. Uh, She is, again, the co-writer, producer, director of Fancy Dance and the Dead Center Oklahoma Film Icon Award winner this year, Erica Tremblay. Erica, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Well, welcome back to Oklahoma. I hear you've been working on Res Dogs. Yeah, yeah. I was uh, I was born in Stillwater. Uh, spent a bit of my childhood there, and then um, the Seneca Cuga Nation is um, uh, up in northeastern Oklahoma, and I grew up um, in uh, kind of on the border of northeastern Oklahoma and Missouri. And okay. I, I get to come back and, and work here. Um, I've worked on. Uh, two seasons of Reservation Dogs and then, you know, um, had the thrill of of shooting Fancy Dance here as well. Oh, yes. The thrill of filming it here in one of the hottest summers we've ever had. So we're going to get to that. (laughs) Fancy Dance is your directorial debut. You've already mentioned, we've already mentioned Reservation Dogs. You also worked on the AM series Dark Winds. You really have a lot of short films under your belt. Maybe our listeners who aren't as familiar with Fancy Dance as it's still touring on the, the uh, festival circuit. Maybe give a, for our listeners a, a shorter pitch on like what, what's the premise. Tell me a little bit more about it. Sure. Uh, it follows a, a, a queer woman named Jax, played by the incredible Lily Gladstone, um, who um, has been left in the unlikely position of caretaker to her niece, Roki, when her sister goes missing. And so, you know, she, Roki's removed from the reservation by CPS um, to live with her white grandparents. And um, it's kind of this traumatic event of this child being removed from the only home that she's ever known that um, mobilizes Jax to um, go get Roki from from that house. And, and they set out on a road trip not only to search for the missing sister and and solve the mystery of her disappearance um, but also so that um, Roki can attend uh, a powwow that she goes to every year so it's a it's a it's a drama it's a family drama with the genre elements of a thriller um, but at the core it's really a story about human connection and about how our relationships with each other um, and the joy of, 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 of human connection can weather, um, you know, the terrible storms that these, these two characters are enduring throughout the film. I have to ask, though, I mean, you've had your hand in a lot of exciting projects we've already mentioned. What made this movie, Fancy Dance, the story you're like, hey, this is the my debut film as a feature film director. Why was this the story you wanted to tell? Yeah, well, you know, I've been... I've been kind of trying to break into this industry for a long time. I 
lived out in LA doing assistant work for a few years. And then I got a job in advertising and I built a career in advertising and publishing over many years. And I still had this dream of, of, of telling stories. And I was also feeling unfulfilled in terms of not having connection to culture and community. So I kind of quit everything and I moved to a small reserve um, in Canada um, called Six Nations and did a three-year language immersion program. And it was during that three-year language immersion program where I was studying Cayuga for eight hours a day that I took a chance and started you know, writing in the evenings. Um, and um, I, I made a short film called Little Chief that also stars Lily Gladstone. Um, that premiered at Sundance in 2020. And the success of that film was um, enough for me to get um, an agent and a manager and to really kind of like start embarking on really trying to do this job as a career. And um, as I was studying the language, I just kind of thought of this idea and... Um, you know, I'm on. I'm actually, you know, a member of, of the Writers Guild of America, um, uh, our union that, that protects us. So I'm I'm on strike right now, currently as a writer. So it's tough to go into to super detail around like the writing process of that. Um, but all that to say is that you know, digging deep into a personal story um, that that I wanted to explore was how I landed on Fancy Dance, which I think is just a further, um, you know. Um, exhibition of why we're striking and why things like AI will never be able to write our stories um, because here, here. we want um, we want and audiences want authenticity and so I was drawn to this story um, because it was grounded in experiences that I've had as a queer indigenous woman. I, I think that's so valuable. There are so few, I mean indigenous women, let alone queer indigenous women who are actually in prominent roles such as a you know producer, writer, director. Why is that so important to have these voices both in front of the camera and behind the camera not only for indigenous peoples but also just wider audiences yeah well I mean first and foremost I think that queer indigenous stories um, you know need to be told and I think that queer indigenous filmmakers deserve to get paid for their art so I think like not only is it like good for audiences but it's good for artists and I think that 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 we need to support um these voices and 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 um when we when we support people to tell their authentic stories no matter what background they're from the result of that is often going to be really incredible storytelling because that person's as close to those themes and topics as can be because they've actually experienced them and you know i think I think we've seen with the influx of, of media that has happened over the past, like, you know, eight years with the streamers that um, people are kind of tired of just watching the same old stories over and over and over again. And it becomes this just like bland wall that you walk into when you when you open up your, your, your screening apps. And I think um, that we've seen with the success of shows like Reservation Dogs that audiences of all backgrounds are just really interested in watching stories that are authentic and that are um, true to human connection. And and as audience members, we can identify with lots of different characters, whether they are exactly like the us or not. And so I'm, um, you know, I'm an optimistic person, but I'm also very pessimistic. And so while I'm excited to see that we've, we've 
started to see more of these stories told, it's, you know, we're not even hitting bare minimum yet. I want to dig a little bit more into your specific experience. How did your roots, you mentioned growing up in Oklahoma, uh, how did those roots and experiences growing up in Oklahoma as a Seneca Cayuga influence your approach to this specific story? I definitely was influenced, you know, I grew up near community, I grew up just across the border, you know, in Missouri, in Oklahoma, and I, I spent countless hours, you know, there in Grove, Oklahoma, at our council house as my mom was a council person and I witnessed firsthand how community and coming together um, and consensus-based living, how powerful that was. And also I'm, you know, constantly been surrounded by, you know, aunties and elders that are working so tirelessly to make our communities safe to protect our women and our children and our vulnerable relatives. And for me, I really wanted to make a film that was grounded in the celebration of that labor and the celebration of those people, but also kind of shining a light on how difficult it is in this world to navigate the daily kind of onslaught of violence. Um, But that instead of just remaining in the trauma of it all, dig deeper into the love and the connections between multi-generations of of Native women. And so um, I couldn't have written this story if I hadn't grown up as a Seneca Cuga Nation member. Um, And I was definitely drawn to exploring, showcasing the, the, the spirit of all of my favorite people. Well, I have to say, I'm so excited to see the movie, and I appreciate that you were able to have such a closely personal story to, to share with audiences. I want to shift gears a little bit. You've Obviously, you've already mentioned that you're a co-writer on the film, and a director, and a producer. This is sort of your baby. What would you say was your biggest overall challenge throughout the making of Fancy Dance? Like, all the way from pre-production all the way to post, and I I guess right now on the festival circuit. The biggest challenge. Well, anyone who works in this industry will tell you that it's a miracle to get anything made. Um, So it's it's a feat in and of itself. Like, you know, I am... I have gratitude every day that that I was in a position to make this film. And there are a lot of challenges, you know. There's challenges of um, convincing people that a story like this matters and raising the money. And I was so grateful to my financiers for coming on board and and seeing the worth of of this story. Um, It was challenging to shoot the film in a really hot time of the year, like like you've mentioned. it was challenging to pull off um, a powwow that that had hundreds of extras during the coronavirus. Mm. Um, and to test everyone, right? Oh, yeah. It, like, you know, we had an incredible um, crew that, that background crew and testing crew that, like, made that possible. It, and it was a challenge to, to edit the film so quickly. You know, we wrapped in September and we premiered in January yeah. at Sundance. And so there were many sleepless nights, um, you know, working with my editors to get that film done. And, and um, so there's just 
every time you reach a challenge, it feels like the largest challenge. Um, and I think that um, I can, I was only able to kind of like surmount those challenges because I had such an incredible support system. You know, I can't say enough um, about the Oklahoma film crew that worked on this film. Our locations team are just so many incredibly talented Oklahoma filmmakers and creators that are working here. It's just incredible that we had that support. And so none of those challenges would have been conquered if it hadn't been for so many incredible people stepping up to the plate and collectively finding a way to make this movie. Congratulations. You've seen success at Sundance or Dead Center. Out of curiosity, what's next? Do you guys have uh, other festivals you're looking at? Yeah, so we were so grateful to premiere at Sundance and screen at South By, and now we're here at Dead Center, and it's like definitely like coming home to be here, and we're screening the film at FAM, which is where we shot our big finale scene, and... Um, um, you know, we have some more festivals coming up. We have a bunch of international festivals that will happen. And then, you know, we're having, you know, good conversations on the distribution front. And so hopefully everyone will get to celebrate this film with us soon. And it'll be out there for, for everyone to get to watch. People watch the movie, the credits roll. Uh, I know death of the author sort of thing, but as a filmmaker, you probably have hopes for how it's received. Like, what do you hope is maybe the, the takeaway or the experience that people have when watching Fancy Dance? I guess you just always want to reach people and have people walk away thinking about the film. And, and um, you know, for me, I made this film for my community. I made this film for indigenous communities. And luckily, people outside of those communities are, you know, really moved by the film as well. And so... I just hope that it offers, um, you know, a, a much needed um, glimpse into this very specific topography that I grew up in and that people get to kind of like see a side of, of, of Oklahoma and see a side of, of the U.S. that they may not know about. And for those that come from these communities, I hope that they see the love um, and the, the intention that went into making the film and that they can be proud and, and get to celebrate, you know, uh, a moment of, of two beautiful women dancing together, you know, um, um, as, a, as a point of joy. Wonderful. Well, again, Erica, congratulations on all the success. So excited for you, excited for the stories that you're going to be able to tell, not just with Fancy Dance, but moving forward. Where can listeners keep up with you and whether Fancy Dance or any of the work, other work you're doing online? Uh, sure. I'm very terrible at all things social media, but I am on Instagram at Erica J. Tremblay, and I, I try to keep all of the, the most recent um, screenings coming up and just, you know, different. you're also just going to, like, see a lot of pictures of my cat, too. So, like... Oh, those are the best. <laughs> So be warned. <laughs> All right. Well, Erica Tremblay, thanks so much for joining the Cinematic Schematic today. Great. And listeners, uh, again, you can support all things Dead Center by heading to deadcenterfilm.org or keep up with more of our podcasts at thecinematropolis.com. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll catch you again next time. <laughs>